Good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Donna. First, say thank you for inviting me onto um, this this uh, chat show. <laughs> uh, so I'm Jenny O'Brien. Um, I'm an Irish writer. Um, I'm currently writing a crime fiction series set in Wales, which sounds a bit odd. But um, basically, when I was a teenager, my parents decided to retire to Clandidno. And then when I finished my nursing, um, I joined them. So I lived in Clandidno for a couple of years before moving to Sunny Guernsey. So that's where I live now with my hubby and three children. And it is overcast and gray and looks as if it's about to rain, but that's okay. Cause I don't have my washing out. Um, so uh, I started writing books for children um, about 15 years ago. I had a story in my head um, when I was younger, um, I was bullied and I just wanted to write something to help raise the self-esteem of bullied children. So it doesn't matter what you look like or about your personality, nobody should treat you any differently just because you're different. Um, so I wrote a book just, um, I actually wrote it in my coffee breaks at work and um, the twins were two. Um, so I'd have kept a little notebook in my scrubs, scrub pocket and just carried it around. And after about uh, six weeks, I had 20,000 words down. So I tried to get a, a publishing contract and basically they laughed at me, but that's beside the point. Um, I wasn't going to publish it then, self-publish. I thought, no, what's self-publishing anyway? And too much hard work. So I left it for about five years, carried on writing. And then uh, about five years later, a bullying incident happened to one of my children. And that night I um, self-published on the um, Amazon publishing arm. And then I went in the garden and I murdered some weeds. Um, so another children's book followed, um, Granny's Gone AWOL in Guernsey, which is actually a charity publication for a local um, children's cancer charity. So I've written it, but they then have published it and take all the um, profits, or all, all the proceeds. Um, and then I, I dipped into romance. So I have um, about five romance books and then after that, Valerie Kyo, the amazing Valerie, told me to write crime. So I came up with the idea for The Stepsister. This is the wrong cover. Um, I've got a newer cover than this, but I'm not very organised, so I need to order myself one from Amazon. So I published The Stepsister, um, and it stayed in the psychological thriller Top 100 for about five weeks. And that was without any advertising. I just gave it a go. Um, it's a thriller set between Guernsey and Holland. Um, which sort of inspired me to write um, another um, thriller. So I came up with the idea for a crime series set in Wales. Um, so this is the book cover for the first one, uh, Silent Cry, um, about a second generation Italian Liverpudlian detective called Gabriella Darren, who everybody calls Gabby. She's quite feisty. She's short and round instead of being um, tall and thin. Um, she's not an alcoholic. She doesn't have um, any great backstory. Her parents didn't die in a road traffic accident. Um, she's not nasty and horrible, but she does say what she thinks. She's quite feisty, as I've said. Um, and she has a very difficult case in South Wales, which is where um, Silent Cry um, happens about uh, a missing baby. Um, this book, by the way, is currently free, but probably just for today. Uh, not for much longer. Um, and then 
because the case is so terrible, the ending is so terrible, she's moved to North Wales to Clandidno, which is an area I know a lot better. And then the cases continue. Um, there's Darkest Night. So the first two I self-published. And then after Darkest Night, um, I did a bit of advertising with a BookBub deal. I'd never um, tried BookBub before, but and I know it's quite difficult to get a deal with them, but they actually accepted me on the first go with um, Silent Cry. And because of the book Bob deal, for one day, um, it ended up on uh, number one, both sides of the Atlantic, just for one day. But at the same time, I had decided to just one last try, Valerie again pushing me, thank you, Valerie Keogh, um, to go for a um, publishing contract. And the same day it got to number one was the same day it landed on the um, editor at HarperCollins HQ Digital's desk. Um, and she said to her team, read that straight away. So they then offered me a three book contract, which um, the third one of that contract is Fallen Angel that was published a few months ago. And then when that came out, um, they offered me another three book contract. So the fourth one in the series, Lost Souls, which is again set between uh, Clendidno, um, Colwyn Bay and Carnarvon, is about a 10 year old girl, um, Ellie, who runs away. She teams up with a 19-year-old homeless lad. Um, something has happened to make Ellie run away and he's determined to find out what. Um, at the same time, um, in the local crematorium in Colburn Bay, the uh, Martin, the um, odd jobs man, um, is cleaning out the cremator and he finds three hip replacements. Now it's okay to have one and some people have two, but nobody has three hip replacements. Um, so just a few intriguing stories that have come together and maybe they're linked, maybe they're not. Um, there's going to be book five, which is written and it's with my editor, um, Juicy Horsey now, because um, Abby's on maternity leave. And then I'm writing book six. I'm working on the ending of book six at the moment. Um, just tidying up all the loose ends. Um, I'm a bit of a uh, pantser. Valerie and I, we speak every day and we both moan, bemoan the fact that we can't plan a book to save our lives. We're blank page girls. And I start with an idea, you know, one line idea, which my editor is amazing and agrees to, um, no synopsis, and then just run with it. And then <laughs> at about 60, 70%, I've got to go back and tie up all the loose ends, which I've left, that you could drive a bus through. Um, but it seems to work for me. And that's the way it is, you know. In another life, I'd be a plotter, but in this life, I'm, I'm a pantser. I don't know what happens until I get to the part that part in the book. Um, what else? I, I'm also a nurse, so um, I work on a busy rehab ward, um, 25 hours a week. Um, worked all through COVID, um, just carrying on really at the moment. Um, I would like to retire at some point, but three teenagers, all very clever, all wanting to go to, well, one is at university, uh, the university of home, because he's not at university, he's actually in my other room studying, but he's got exams at the moment. And then two other, the, the twins are now 16 and they both want to go to uni. So I think I'll be nursing until I'm about 90, maybe 95. Um, and that's it. So I, I work, I write, I'm also an avid reader. I run a book column for the local um, press, the uh, newspaper then. Um, every two weeks I um, present three, three books that I've read in the last two weeks. Um, just my way of helping writers 
um, as well. So that'll be local writers, new writers, established writers, just books that I like and enjoy. Um, and I'm an all year round sea swimmer for my sins. I'm not very good, but I do go in <laughs> in January and February in my bathers, no wetsuit, and scream a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm a bit mad. That's it. That's me. I can't think of anything else to say. I'm going to have some coffee. <laughs> um, so, did you always want to write? Um, I've always read, and I always thought, like most people, that I had a, a book in me. But until I actually decided to write Boy Brainy, that first book, um, no. And it took me a year to write the book, to, you know, because I've never been on a writing course, although I have sort of picked up. Um, I've done a completed a writing course um, sort of since, but I've never been on a writing course before. So apart from schoolwork, um, I've got a degree in nursing. So, um, but that's that doesn't help in writing a book. Um, so yeah, I I'd always wanted to, but until that's I had that story in my head and the character, and then after a year of the character forming in my brain, they got to write it from somewhere. Um, yeah, it sort of, it took off from there, really. I, I just found I enjoyed writing. I put Boy Brainy on for free um, on Amazon because I didn't think it was good enough that people would want to pay for it. And it's, uh, since it's been on, it's, I've given away hundreds of thousands of copies. It's number one in Arthurian legends for free and it has been for five years or so. Just people like it. Um, I think it's average four star something reviews, but a lot of, um, it's, because it's free, it's worldwide. So some people don't really get that it's set in Wales around Conway Castle. It's got the ghost of King Arthur. They might not might not know who King Arthur is, whatever. But it's it's fine. It helps some kids. I've got some lovely reviews from kids saying that it helps them. So that's that's lovely. If it helps one person, that's fine. Um, um, and were you a big crime fiction reader before you decided, or before um, Valerie convinced you to go into crime? <laughs> I was a huge crime fiction reader mm -hmm. until my son was born. So um, he's now 19. So until his birth, I read everything that Jeffrey Deaver, James Patterson, Connolly, all of the big books I'd read, all of Agatha Christie. And, you know, my husband used to say, how can you read that? You know, because it was the dripping blood down the wall sort of things I read. And then I was reading a book, Joel was in his bassinet, and it was a um, pretty horrible book, and it was about a paedophile. And the, the boy that died, it was in France, I can't remember the name of the book or the writer, but it was, um, a, I think, 11-year-old on a bicycle, and this paedophile got hold of him. And his, the boy's name was the same name as my son. And I, could, I didn't touch another book for ages. Uh, my mum then... Um, God rest her soul. She got me into romance. She said, you have to read. You love reading. You're not going to read crime at the minute. So she sent me a, a box of Mills and Boone, would you believe? And I started back into reading after about six months break, reading Mills and Boone. And it sort of got me onto the romance things. And I enjoyed them. You know, the romance is easy to a certain extent. You don't know the start or the middle, but you always know the end is going to be happy ever after. And that's what I needed at that time in my life. Um, and from that, I... Um, came up with this English woman series, which is English woman in Paris, English woman um, in Manhattan. There's a, a few of them. In English woman in Scotland. Um, just very light romance. Um, nothing, you know, no Fifty Shades of anything in them. And I enjoyed writing them. But and then I moved on from that. I started re write, uh, reading crime again when the twins were about 11, 12. Um, yeah, and it just sort of moved on from there. Of course. Okay. 
Um, and you've said that you have three kids and you're a nurse. So how do you find time to write? Um, yeah, so everybody asks that. So I basically don't do anything else. I work, I write, I read, I see swim. Uh, this part of the house looks fine. <laughs> yeah, um, so I blitz the house after each book is finished. Um, and yeah, and in between of an evening, I go and do some gardening, I do a bit of gardening. Um, I always have notebooks around the place. I use my phone a lot. I use voice um, dictation uh, on my phone. I can crack up two, three hundred words on my copy break using my phone. And then it makes the second draft a nightmare if you use dictation. Um, but I do it and then I, I just get my word count up. So the book, book six, probably about 30,000 words of that has been on my phone in the car, hanging around for the kids or on my coffee break at work, just on my just mobile phone and using the software that's in there for dictation. Uh, and then I look at it afterwards and I think, really? Teapot? What was I meant to say? The man looked at her and teapot. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got an Irish accent and they're obviously plumped in for either American or um, sort of English. And yeah, sometimes it's quite hilarious, but I sort of work it out in the end. <laughs> now, when you started your crime series, were you planning on it being a series? I planned to. Um, I so I, I wrote one, published that one, um, which is Darkest Night, and then Fallen Angel I wrote um, at the same time I was querying um, HarperCollins, then um, HQ Digital, and um, so book two was written, um, I was editing it, and it was on pre-order with a, a lead-in for about three months pre-order, the, the maximum they could give me so I could work on it still. And um, I didn't want to let down um, the orders. I think it was about 1,700 orders. Um, so I said to um, HQ Digital, when they offered me this contract for three books, the third one I hadn't written, um, that yes, I'd be happy to go with them and give you those two books. But that book has to be published just for a day so we can not let the readers down, because that's not really fair. You know, and you've got to, you've got to not let your readers down because that's quite bad news for a writer. Um, so I did that and um, I had to come up with an idea for Fallen Angel, um, which I think of the series so far is probably my best book in that it's the most complex. Um, I sort of up my game with that one and I've tried to sort of follow that through. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. But um, yeah, it's, it's doing quite well, Fallen Angel. Um, they're all good, but that one's, yeah. I, I've... Um, blown up a house in Fallen Angel and it's actually in my mind's eye it was my mum's house um, so and that's quite funny so because when I wrote it I had my mum's house pictured in my mind when I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were to be a character in any of your books which would you choose? Oh, I'd have to be Gabby because she's a bit like me in that um, I, except that I've got a bit of a filter Sometimes I don't have a filter and sometimes I do say things I shouldn't, um, but I try not to. Um, but she doesn't have that much of a filter. She does say what she thinks. She's short. I'm short. I'm not sure I could write a tall character. I just, I don't think I could get my head around writing about a tall character. <laughs> um, and that, I know that sounds strange, but um, 
I'm not skinny. You can see, you can see that by looking at me. Um, I like chocolate. She likes chocolate. Um, her favorite um, tip, tipple, she has a glass of red Barola, which is an Italian wine. Um, and she loves um, Jacob's mini cheddars. My uncle used to work for Jacob's factory. It's an Irish company. And he used to be the um, security guard there years ago. So I just have a lot. So that's her favorite tipple, um, and I've, I've given her that favorite tipple. And I went to the supermarket with my sister in Clendidno, and I said, "Let's see if we can find a bottle of Barola," because I didn't know what it tasted like. We were in Aldi, and uh, I found this bottle. And I thought I thought it was five quid, so I bought it. And then when I came to check out, it was fifteen, and I thought because I wouldn't spend fifteen quid on a bottle of wine, but it was in my basket. So that night we had this fifteen pound bottle of wine. It was very nice, but I won't be buying it again. <laughs> fifteen quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I go to I go for the bin ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people will understand? Uh no, not really. Um because it's a series, um, it does follow the characters. So and there's quite a few characters to follow in a way, but each book is also a standalone. Um, but I do a little bit of a backstory in each, not much, because I think that gets quite boring for the reader, but just a few little inserts in chapters, a few little, um, not even paragraph sentences, so you can get the idea of the characters. So for instance, I've got Owen, who's my um, staunch bearded Welsh man who's got a photographic memory, um, married to Kate, who um, wears the trousers in the house. I've got Jax, who's um, a 26-year-old, tall, handsome, floppy-haired, blonde bloke, who's got a speech impediment. Um, and there's sort of a bullying aspect to that. So uh, one of my children um, has a speech impediment. So sort of that part of it was quite easy for me to do. And I wanted to include it. Then I've got um, a chap, um, what's he called, from The Chase, that um, black gentleman from The Chase. Um, but in my mind's eye, that's what he looks like. But he's a younger version, Malachi Divine. Uh, he basically says what he thinks and he's got no filter at all. And then I've got Marie who's going through a divorce. Um, she's, uh, her husband runs off with somebody else. Um, she's been going through fertility, desperate for a child. Um, that's quite tragic, that bit. And then I've got Gabby's um, relationship with the pathologist who appears in book two, um, Darkest Night, when she moves up to Clandidno. Um, there is a bit of a romance there, but it's not a romance that you think about because I don't, I made it sort of a rule then I was cutting off the romance bit. So they've got a really feisty relationship and she says exactly what she thinks to him and he says it straight back to her. So if you sort of picked up book three, you might think, oh my goodness, but there's backstory in book two when they really are cat and dog um, to each other. So yeah, there's a few, I, I, I don't, I, although I read crime, I try not to read police procedural because police procedurals that much because that's what I'm writing. I wanted to be fresh, which is quite difficult. So I still read romance. I still read um, psychological thrillers. I try not to read too much police procedural because I don't want other people's ideas to filter in. I want to come up with unusual crimes. Um, and that's quite hard because it is quite a flooded genre, really. Um, you know, as well, the world and his wife seems to be writing crime um, series at the moment. Um, so it's quite difficult to keep it fresh. So that's why I, I try and avoid reading too much. Um, yeah. 
Um, what's the most interesting thing you found while researching your books? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I think I'd be arrested for a start if the police got in into my Google. Um, I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time along the A55, which is the road in North Wales that just runs along the coast, um, because I like to try and get details right and distances right and all that sort of thing. So that's not interesting. That's boring. But it, it, the boring has to be done because some bright spark will say, well, you've um, put your character in, say, Swansea and they're driving to Cardiff, but you've given them half an hour when it's a two and a half hour journey or whatever. So you have to be quite particular with the boring bits. Uh, this morning, what have I been researching? I'm in, I was in Manchester this morning and I was looking for um, a Coronation Street type road, um, you know, with houses either side, red brick. Um, and I wanted to have a road that had a Manchester name, but that wasn't a real road. So I was looking up, I, was, I went on to an estate agent and I was looking up houses for sale. So there's a place in... Manchester called Bourneville Close. So I've used Bourneville, but I've turned it into Bourneville Road and it doesn't exist in Manchester and picked a fictitious number, number 26. Um, something nasty happens there. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that it didn't exist, basically. I like to use real places. Um, so there's a coffee shop called, um, I think it's called Little Lovelies or something. Um, which is in Mould, which again in North Wales, which um, I spoke to the owners and they said, uh, yes, they'd like to be included. So I've used them. There's a cafe in uh, Clendidno called Take a Break. And I asked them if they'd like to be included. And they said, yes. So I'd, I'd like to include, so real, real places so that if people go to the area and they see it, they might say, oh, well, yeah, that's in the book. Um, but I also use fictitious for the nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah, I bet that I imagine they were honoured, weren't they, both them cafes to be yeah, included? They were, you know, it's, um, yeah, there's a, I think there's a pizzeria I've also used in, in book, the book six, the one I've um, done, and a guest house. Um, yeah, yeah, Capri guest house, that's, that's in, um, that's in uh, Clanded now, just around the corner from the pier, it's a little guest house, so yeah. Book five um, features cheese. Uh, Castile Cheese, which is an award-winning cheesemaker in uh, North Wales. She was delighted <laughs> to be included. So uh, my murder victim eats her cheese. <laughs> Excuse me, my son is giving me coffee, so thank you, Joel. How's it going? It's going fine. <laughs> I hope it's going fine. Is it going fine? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> if she knows. Yeah, I've had that too. The weather, but the hay fever is still. <laughs> oh yes, no. At work, you know, I, it looks as if I'm bursting into tears all the time because if somebody mows the lawn up two miles up the road, my eyes start streaming. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, do you ever dream about your characters? Um, not my characters as such, but I have um, written a book based on my dreams. Um, so Silent Cry, the first one in the series, um, there was a gentleman in Guernsey who, um, sadly he died, he was found dead in a car, um, burnt out car, so there was a murder um, about three years ago, and that night, it was on the news, and that night I had a dream, and um, there was a dog in a car, 
um, and something happened to the dog. And I thought, hmm, if I change the dog to something else, and if I change the man to something else, and I change the location to Wales, I've got a book. So yeah, that, that, that was the inspiration for Smile and Cry. Um, so no, I don't dream about um, my characters, but I do dream about my boss at work, which is hilarious. Um, her name is Ollie, she's lovely. Anyway, she um, she's married to a friend. Um, so I dreamt about two nights ago that um, her husband had come to me and he'd said that she were, he was getting a divorce and that um, he was going to choose a ring because I have to choose a ring for his new bride. So I said, fine. So a beautiful pearl ring. It was lovely and took it, et cetera. And then he said that, uh, and I'm going to marry such and such. And then I woke up. So at work the next morning, so this is two days ago, I walked into work and I said, Ollie was there. This is the ward manager. And it was a room full of people. There was about uh, 10 nurses in there. I said, Ollie, I've got some devastating news for you. I said, your husband has come to me three o'clock in the morning. So she realized it was a dream because I didn't want to <laughs> think she's getting divorced. He's divorcing you. And she started laughing. I said, yeah, I said, I know. And the ring that he's buying for his new wife is pearl. It's really beautiful. It's got seven bands and it's really intricate. It's lovely. So she was laughing away. And then I said, and his new wife is such and such, who is somebody that we both work with. And is somebody that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he just, he wouldn't ask out. And um, the whole room was in hysterics. But uh, it was a lovely start to the day. We're really busy at the moment. And it was just uh, before all the built up again. So yeah, it was quite funny. <laughs> at times, you know, I do say what I think, as I said, yeah, sometimes I should have a filter and I don't, but I put that in my character. You know, she, she says what she thinks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, have you made lots of author friends? Absolutely loads. I'm blessed with my author friends. So there's Valerie Kyo. Um, there's, yeah, there's just such a supportive book community out there. You know, I, I actually posted today on Twitter, say, you know, um, Karen Norden, she's a new writer um, for HarperCollins, uh, John Barlow. Um, they both read and reviewed my book, um, the latest one. Um, also book bloggers, you know, can't forget them because they've been amazing taking me under their wing. We've got... Um, Joe Robertson, etc. There's just loads of them. Uh, yeah, so I haven't actually come across anybody who's been negative or horrible. Um, and that's great, really. Um, I think it's important to try and be nice to people. Um, something I've always tried to do. Sometimes I fail, but, um, I, you know, it's what, what goes around comes around as far as I'm concerned. If you're nasty, you'll get it back with spades. So I just try and be nice and you know, I'll, I will walk away. If Sometimes you get a negative on um, Twitter. Um, it's happened a couple of times where I've had to block people. Um, but I just walk away and it's it's a life lesson, isn't it? But they were never writers. They were just oddballs. Um, yeah, who came up in my feed. So, yeah. I'd like to just be nasty to people, you know, and it doesn't, mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it. So it doesn't get you anywhere. But all it does is get your reputation for being nasty. So, um, yeah. yeah. And do you get much feedback from readers um, apart from bloggers and stuff? Yeah, I've had I've got some lovely readers. Um, you know, I'm, my series has been out a year, so I'm not um, 
mega. Um, I published the first three books three months apart, so very quick succession. succession. Um, so my readership is growing, but I've met some wonderful people along the way. Um, there's uh, Beverly Ann Hopper. She runs a little um, book group who found me. Um, Michelle Turner. These, these are women who found me way back when I was self-publishing at the very start, and they've stuck with me. Um, just normal, average people who like to read. Um, yeah, and I think it's good for a writer to keep them in your eyesight when you're writing your book. Um, I write for myself, and sometimes I write things in my book that I know are going to annoy my readers, and that's quite difficult because you're trying to give them the best experience, but your characters lead you into which direction they go. Uh, you, I know you've probably heard other writers saying that, and I know I, you know, I'm writing something in rooms in book six, and I know I'm going to upset them. I'm going to upset, upset them to such an extent on the acknowledgements. I'm going to have to start with an apology, but it's the way the book is going, and I can't. I could stop it, but then the book wouldn't be the same, and I don't think it would be as good. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, my my books are littered with the names of these people. So, um, yeah, they appear as characters. They're, they're part of the my little book family. Um, yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> um, what's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Oh, um, I can't answer that. I think because my publishing journey has been long, so it took me 12 years to get a book contract, and 12 years of knocking on doors and being turned away just sort of make you feel quite despondent. And, you know, there's no two ways about it. My first book that I published, I published in anger. So when the paperback came through the door, you know, the proof, it wasn't an open, the book, the box of books or whatever, and this is my paperback. It wasn't like that because I, I published for the wrong reasons, completely wrong reasons. So um, when I did finally get my books, um, box to books for the first book, Sign and Cry from my um, publisher for my first book published with them, I'd already been self-published and I already had boxes of books. And I, so that took the um, sort of the sort of glitter of the gingerbread or whatever you like to call it. Um, so I can't really say it's, it's been a difficult journey um, and there's no, been no highlights, you know, no big highlight. Um, can't, I can't really think of any, I mean, everybody's been kind and helpful, but nothing stands out as, because it, it would normally be opening your first back of paperbacks, but that was spoiled. So I can't say that. I can't say there's any, um, you know, probably maybe my first um, best-selling sticker, possibly. Um, that was nice, um, but yeah. <laughs> um, If you were able to spend a day with any author dead or alive, who would you like to spend the day with? Oh, it's gonna be Valerie Kyo because I've spent a day with her already. Uh, she came over to Guernsey two years ago to um, attend the literary festival over here that we have. And we went to this hotel, which is the poshest hotel in Guernsey with the most expensive wine. Now for my 25th wedding anniversary, which is a few years ago now, uh, we went to France, to Paris. We took the kids up, uh, to, up the Eiffel Tower. We were lucky enough to get up the top. And we like to watch our pennies with three kids. But my husband said, oh, let's have a glass of champagne. And I think it was... 20, 20 euros a glass or something. Um, once, once in a lifetime, glass of champagne, top of the avatar. You have to do it. But um, it, I think it was twenty-seven pounds a glass in this hotel. And Valerie had said to me as we walked in, "I've just been paid my um, whatever it's called. Oh, I can't. Eat 
oh, anyway, she's just, just been paid. I'm buying. And then when the bill came, I said, here you go. <laughs> so a day, a day with Valerie Kyo, um, possibly Paris, because uh, the, the champagne's cheaper. <laughs> um, but no, she's also Irish. She's also a nurse. She um, trained in the Meath, which is a hospital, was a hospital in Dublin, uh, inner city of Dublin. And I tra trained in the Adelaide, which was literally, oh, it's half, it was half a mile away. Both now have closed down and the hospital has, both hospitals have moved out to Tala, which is in the outskirts of Dublin. And, uh, you know, we would have known each other then. We would have met each other on the high street, um, but we didn't know each other. So we, we just got that history together. Um, and we write, yeah, we do write similar books, but you know, we, we speak to each other more than I speak to my sister. Probably she speaks to me more than she probably speaks to her sisters. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know she's lovely. I love that as well. She's yeah, great. She's lovely. Yeah, I've interviewed her um, a while ago now. I have to see if I can get her to come back again. <laughs> yeah, no, she'd love to. No, she she told me she, you were lovely. So yeah, she was right. Cheers. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to change my reputation <laughs> although she's no, too no, no don't do that it's good to be nice uh, whatever people say it's good to be nice you might end up getting walked all over but I prefer to be walked all over than you know to stamp over somebody so yeah just carry on oh god yeah I wouldn't anyway no not in our nature no definitely not um so if you were to invite four famous people to a dinner party, who would you invite? Ah, now, this is interesting because this came up on Twitter. And I would say if I'm hosting the dinner party, I'm not going to cook. So I'd have James Martin. I'd have Nigella. I'd have, I think I might have the hairy bikers because they'd be good for a laugh. Um, yeah, so I'd go for good cooks who can each do a course. Um, rather than picking writers because there's, there's too many good writers out there you know and I've read so many writers I wouldn't like to be able, I wouldn't be able to pick more um, they all have stories to tell apart from the stories they write um, most of them appear to have amazing lives you know in contrast to mine which is boring um, but uh, yeah you know so yeah they, they can cook me a nice meal Think of Nigella sitting there and, um, you know, the way she eats and her expressions on her face and uh, the hairy bikers, you know, teasing her. That would be fabulous. Uh, she might get, she might give me some fashion ideas and what to do with my hair. And uh, yeah, you know, she always looks gorgeous. So, yeah. You're not inviting Val then, you could be in trouble. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, you know, Val could come and she could cook something. Oh, no. Even better, she could be the sommelier. She could provide the wine. She's good at that. What <laughs> <laughs> oh. hairy biker and Val? Which hairy biker would I have? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Dave. Dave Myers, isn't it? He's more fun, I think. Yeah. Um, I, totally, I was going to ask you something there, and I've totally forgotten what it was. Gone <laughs> blank completely. Um, My nose again. Um, would you like your kids to read your books when they're old enough or is the son that is old enough as he read them? Uh, my son doesn't read that much. Um, he's 
19, as I said, so he's never read, um, you know, and, you know, literally when he was 18, up to 18, he's never read a book. You know, he is that against reading. But then he started reading Harry Potter, which again, 18 year old starting with Harry Potter. But he actually read them all in about a week. So he's getting into them, but he wouldn't read my type of books. My daughter's read the first one. So they are old enough, 16. Um, that they, they could read them if they want. They're there in a cupboard. Uh, my husband's never read anything um, and I wouldn't force them to. He, he said he will one day. I think he wants them to be number one, one bestseller as in the very top on Amazon. Um, but it's up to him. I'm not going to force him. If you, you know, I don't force people to read anything. If they want to read them, they're there. And if he doesn't want to, it's fine. Uh, I think he started reading Boy Brainy and he said that it was good, but I think he might have read a page. It's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, what author would you fangirl over if you met them? What's the one author where you would just lose it completely? Is there any? Ooh. Hmm. I'd like to meet Peter James. So he has moved to Jersey and he just comes across as being a lovely, apart from Valerie. Valerie, you're, you're obviously your top. So Peter James, apart from being, he comes across as being a lovely bloke, um, 18 books now. Um, and I want to go and visit his tower. He lives in this tower in Jersey, which overlooks, obviously he's from the top, he writes in the top, overlooks all the islands. Um, and I think he, you know, from reading his background and how he started, and um, he went to public school and he was told he never writes a shopping list, let alone a book. If you, if you drill back down what was said about him in his school days, and I think he was expelled. I think he'd have a few tales to tell, you know, um, and I think he's probably brought all that experience, level of experience to his writing. And he's a cracking writer, you know, you know, there's no two ways about that. He is a brilliant writer. Um, I love his books. So probably Peter James. And it wouldn't be that far to travel because he's only across the way. <laughs> um, are you planning on doing any of the book festivals this year? Uh, because I'm in Guernsey now, because um, obviously with the um, travel, etc. Um, yeah, so if you hear a cat meowing, she wants to be fed, Joe, I'll just give her a bit of food. Yeah. Would you please? Oh, that's what I was trying to get you. <laughs> Hold on, just give it to me for a second. Wait a minute. Wait, yeah, okay. okay, here you go. Oh, dear. <laughs> go and have some dinner now. And don't throw up again. Uh, so, no, um, there is a Guernsey, uh, Guernsey Literary Festival that's running at the moment, but it's all Zoom calls. So, um, I was on it a couple of years ago. I was introducing one of the writers. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's more there was sort of standard of Joanna Harris um, on a Zoom call, sort of thing. That's the level they're looking up for here. So, um, but in the UK, no, it's it's hard for me to get, you know, to leave the island with COVID, and I still work. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a shame. Well, now they're all starting to open again. <laughs> I know. Um, so you said you're working on books five and six. So then do you know what you're doing next? Um, I've got an idea for a new series. So um, I don't know whether I'm going to, I need, I'm in discussions with um, HQ Digital um, about what's next. I'm not out of contract with them till September. So there's still time um, to decide what I'm going to do. Um, I might try and write something in between contract um just to see what it's like uh, i've got i've just got an idea for a character and i want to just explore it so my next book with them book six isn't due until september but i'm going to be finished it in about well the first draft will be finished in about two weeks 
so I'm going to have time to do something. Uh, so while, while I'm in the subject, because I'm, I'm going to forget, um, giveaway. So Lost Souls is out tomorrow, um, and I'm going to give away um, one copy to one of your audience, um, but you're going to choose it for me, aren't you, Donna? Very kindly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll gift an e-copy, um, and I'll arrange for it to go to a UK um, winner uh, tomorrow when it's published. Okay. Yep. So if anyone wants it, then just comment on the recording when it's posted. Yeah. Okay. So I can choose someone. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, well, I don't think I have any more questions unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. No, I think I've been <laughs> well grilled. <laughs> good, good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Uh, so do you just want to remind everyone about the book that's out tomorrow and where they can get it from and all the other ones? Yeah, uh, so uh, Lost Souls is out tomorrow, book four in the series. Each one is a standalone. Um, it's the one about uh, a 10-year-old and an 18-year-old um, homeless man on a road trip across Wales while the police are trying to catch them, chase their whereabouts and the um, problem with the extra... Um, hip prosthetic in the, um, I'm nearly going to say, um, aquarium, my brain is dead, crematorium. Um, so that's out tomorrow. Uh, there's three other books in the series, as I say, each a standalone, and the first one, Silent Cry, is free um, as an ebook currently, so fill your boots while it's free. Uh, I think it'll probably go back up to its normal price tomorrow. And thank you for inviting me. Uh, so before we go do you just want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you oh um so i'm for sale <laughs> not me personally uh so my books are for sale in all major outlets um wherever you know um the sum in um dobby's which is um garden center the sum in um the works um local libraries have them there's amazon barnes and noble um, Apple, um, Kobo, the, the usual, the usual suspects have them. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.